Hey, everybody, it's JT from Grilling at the Green. John Breaker and the great folks at Birdie Ball have a short time offer for all of you listeners. You just go to birdieball.com, and when you place your order, there's a place on that form for a discount code. Use G-A-T-G. That's G-A-T-G. Of course, it stands for Grilling at the Green. And you will get 20% off anything you order from birdieball.com. Now, it's a short-time offer. It expires in about a week, so you want to get on it. Go to birdieball.com, place your order, uh, use the code G-A-T-G, and get 20% off. You heard it here on Grilling at the Green. It's time for Grilling at the Green. Join Jeff Tracy as he explores the golfing lifestyle and tries to keep it in the short grass for the hackers, dew sweepers, and turf spankers. Here's Jeff. Just open up the door and let's take good times in. Hey everybody, welcome to Grilling at the Green. I'm JT. You listen to this show on AM860 The Answer and the Golf News Network, as well as all the multitude of platforms we're on out there with the podcast version of the show, which is growing in numbers. But we won't talk about that. This is the show, obviously, where we talk about golf and the interesting and fascinating people who share the same passion as you and I. Um, we'd like to thank the folks at uh, Painted Hills Natural Beef, Beef the Way Nature Intended, and also Gunter Wilhelm Knives. Unmatched quality and comfort and efficiency in your kitchen. Check them out online at GunterWilhelm.com. We've got a <coughs> gosh, excuse me, old friend and friend of the show, Gary Van Sickles, joining us back today. And I chose special music, which Gary can't hear, but it's the grassroots. So there's some, we're both baby boomers. So there you go. Um, welcome, buddy. GVS, welcome back. The grassroots. I uh-huh. like grass. I wish I had roots in my hair, but uh, <laughs> I don't really. I'm the parts where I need it, so that's uh, neither here nor there. Yeah, I got it. I got it. Well, since the last time we talked, I had to check on the calendar and see when you were on earlier this summer. But since then, we've had um, a major. We've had several tournaments on the pro tours. The ladies' tour is back up. I covered the uh, Cambia out here a couple weeks ago. That went off well, although it was odd not to see any uh, gallery, so to speak, no patrons. Um, but, but I will say this, the tournaments go quicker when there's not people around. Um, but uh, give us your perspective on since they've started back up, what's been happening. Well, you know, there's two things. There's playing golf for us and there's watching golf on TV. Right. And what I like about watching golf on TV now is you can see the course better. Yeah. Before you you couldn't see a lot because there's grandstands, there's people everywhere. You, you can't see the you know. I think the serious golfer who really likes to see courses is happy you can see it better. And of course, the guys who leave the pins in that makes TV viewing better because you can't see where the cup is half the time. Right. So I think leaving the pin in is, is a big bonus. But getting rid of those annoying fans who are in the, <laughs> ruining my view of the course is great. And we don't have the three guys who got to yell mashed potatoes. Right. Or whatever. You demand. Get rid of them. You demand. And so it is a little quieter. And, you know, and if you're not a golf fan, you can watch a golf telecast and you're like, I, I used to think golf was like paint drying. I was wrong. It's not that good. If you're not into, you have to be into golf to watch it on TV now. Sure. So I, I think, I don't think that's for everybody, but I, I you know, I, I give the PGA Tour credit. They were the Pretty much the first. Um, maybe NASCAR beat them, but I think they were neck and neck. They were the first out of the gate to come back, and their ratings—they've really it was a great move on their part. 
Yes, it was. Ratings have been much, much higher. They're the only game in town. People are out here starved for some kind of entertainment on TV. How many times can we watch Happy Gilmore reruns and last year in <laughs> football games from three years ago? Right. So they did a good job coming back. They did the whole bubble thing. They had charter jets. I mean, they went. They've done a. They've hardly only had a few uh, test positive tests. Golf's uh, easy to stay in the bubble, I guess, uh, easier than the other team sports. Yeah. You know, as a recreational player, this, I'm working on a story right now, and the basic, the basic uh, premise of my story is the pandemic saved golf. You know, we were, I was, I was a gloom and doom guy. Fewer people were playing. The game's too hard. It costs too much. It takes too long. And this pandemic comes along, and boom. Uh, depending on which state you were in, in Ohio, I don't or Indiana, I don't think this course is ever closed. They just had restrictions. I was in, I'm in Pennsylvania, and they shut everybody down. It's a Democratic governor in this state, right? Um, not coincidentally, he shut everything down, including golf. So we didn't have golf for a month. But when it reopened, it's been the greatest summer in in years for golf courses. A lot of golf courses are on their way out. You know they're slammed. It's they're slammed. It it's hard for me to get uh, a good tee time, and at some courses it's hard to get any tee times. Right. Everybody's out of work. or doesn't have to go to the office. There, there's nowhere else to go. You couldn't go to movie theaters. Restaurants here were in Pennsylvania were closed for a long time. Uh, there's no there's nowhere to go. There's nothing to do. You can't go to gatherings over 25 people. You can't go anywhere, do anything. And golf was like a safe alternative. It seemed like you're outdoors. At first, we were riding, and if you're in the foursome, you're in four different carts. And uh, it's been the greatest summer. I, I just saw a quote from a guy in Wisconsin talking about the revival, and he was like, "It's been so great." He says, "I, I just wished August. August was so good. I wish August had 35 days because they were making so much money at his course." I believe it. So it's great to hear that from that standpoint. From my personal selfish standpoint, and of course, that's all that matters to me is uh, now it's too crowded. You know, my my goal in life is to play golf unimpeded. Now, suddenly I'm impeded because it's it's hugely popular. I'm happy for the game of golf. I'm slightly inconvenienced. So uh, you'll win, win, I guess. But, you know, it's all about me. How does this affect me, Al Franken, for those of us old enough to remember that sketch <laughs> in Saturday Night Live? You know, but uh, that's it's great. It's you know, a year ago there was no optimism in the golf business, and now is this going to last? Is this going to all these people who came out of the woodwork to play golf this year are they going to keep up next year? I mean, equipment sales are the same way; they're off the charts. Yeah, they are. Nobody's seen anything like this, so it's good for everybody. Because one thing that kills me, and you, I bet you're the same way too, I hate seeing golf courses close. Yeah, I hate that. I don't care how bad the course is. Frankly, I'm an aficionado of playing bad courses. I love beat up dog tracks. I love playing those. I hate to see anybody close because um, that's just one more one fewer place to play, and that means those other people are going to come somewhere else and might impede me. So I, I, I'm I I always try to support golf courses wherever I go. You, like you know, green season, buying something, but uh, it's it's just who thought the pandemic could save golf? Who thought anything was going to save golf? I thought we were on a slow mission to down the tube, you know, and right. You know, because when the baby boomers, we're the ones who've been propping the numbers up on participation for years. And we're now at the stage where all of us baby boomers, we're one fall away. We're one broken hip away from never playing golf again. And there's nobody behind us 
to carry on the torch. I mean, when the last of baby boomers go, you pull the rug out from under golf, there goes 30%, 40% of your participation. Yes. And I don't know if this next generation is going to either have the, that they're not hooked on golf like we are. And if they are, they may well not have the financial wherewithal to continue playing golf when they retire. They're not going to have their pensions like uh, our parents had, or sure. even some of the guys a little older than me, the, Golden pensions went out about 15, 20 years ago. I, I, I miss those. I've got the crappy pension like everybody else. But the next group are even going to have pensions. So there's a lot of a lot of question marks in golf's future. But right now, I'm right now I'm optimistic because all these people are out playing golf, and I think that's great. Yeah, I gotta. We're gonna have to take a break here in just a second. But one thing I was gonna tell you: the city of Portland, of course, we're famous for a lot of things here now, like being on fire and so on and so forth. But yeah. There was a big push early in the year and late last year by the the city and one particular commissioner to wanted to do away with some of the Portland owned city owned golf courses. I think there's five of them uh, because they were taking up too much space. One of the commissioners wanted to put a tent city in there for the homeless and all this crap oh yeah that'll be good for the everybody's housing values oh yeah absolutely you know and and of course we've always been big on green spaces out here even though you know most of the state is green but point being covid hit we didn't close the golf courses um i've got a couple of different friends each of them run a a separate golf course one of them is a course that's owned by the city of portland they can't get out of the way of the players city has had to back down because the revenues are now, like you said, off the charts. And, uh, it's always been, if you know how to run a golf course, uh, you're going to make money. Now that changed somewhat, but when government gets involved, they, you know, they, they can't run a golf course because they've got the paying union wages to, you know, their union, which is, they got all kinds of issues. And, uh, but yeah, Build it and they will come. You know, people want to play golf. It's there's a lot of cities that are having issues with public golf courses trying to get rid of them because they're losing money. And then it's because bureaucrats like the guy you were talking about get in the way and want this and want that and, and ruin the whole they don't they don't know the business of golf. You gotta have golf people running them. And that's they, great to hear that it's not just here, it's I think it's everywhere. People are coming out of the woodwork to play golf. It's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to take a break here on Grilling at the Green. Uh, Gary Van Sickle and I will be back in just a minute. Stay with us. You're listening to AM860, The Answer, and the Golf News Network. Hi, everybody. It's JT, and this is a special version of Grilling at the Green. Grilling at the Green is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef. Beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Hey, welcome back to Grilling at the Green. I'm JT. Today, we've got Gary Van Sickle with us, friend of the show, uh, featured writer historically, and I mean that in our perspective of time, uh, for Sports Illustrated. He now works for uh, Morning Read, still writes some independent stuff for people. Oh, by the way, Langdon Farms Grill is open on Friday night with their prime rib special. So you can go down there and have a good dinner for about 25 bucks. So I recommend it down at Langdon Farms. Call ahead, though, make some reservations. So let's get back and talk with with Gary. Um, You know, one of the things we were when you were talking about it in the first segment and you were talking about it's easier to see the course. One thing I noticed is there were no rope lines 
on the courses at the Winco and at Cambia. We didn't have rope lines that we had to, uh, well, there were some around the greens. But usually when you go down the fairways, if you're covering golf, you know, they've got these little tiny rope lines all the way down. Those weren't there either. You could you could walk around if you're a media person. You could walk around and you made it really easy to get from first tee to uh, third green or something like that. That was kind of cool. Not having to... Uh, watch where you were walking, you know, I mean, you paid attention. Yeah, and you don't, you don't have these annoying grandstands that block your view. And oh. In fact, because of that, we, there was actually a little controversy at the women's LPGA, the ANA inspiration, the major, uh-huh. they always had this blue wall in front of the, behind the green, the green's really an Island green at 18 par five, but the grandstands behind the green and there's this blue matting in front of it. Right. Um, well, they didn't put the grandstands up cause they knew there weren't going to be fans. But they left, they put the blue wall up anyways. And in the playoff or in the regulation, uh, one of the, one of the players, I think that was, I think it was the girl who won. I think it was in the playoff. No, it was in the regulation. She, her ball hit the wall and then she chipped it in for Eagle to get in the playoff. And then she won the playoff. And, oh, that wall shouldn't have been there, but the wall's always been there. Yeah. You just didn't notice it because it was part of the grandstand. Right. But I guess the question is, if you weren't going to have grandstands, then why'd you put the wall up? It might have impacted play, but these things impact play all the time. I can, you know, you can ask any PGA Tour player if, you know, if they got a risky shot out of the rough toward a green, they just aim at the grandstand because if they hit it there, they're going to get a free drop up around the green. It's going to be pretty decent. Right. So the, these, these things have been in play for, for a long time and it's kind of a sneaky thing. I, I know a guy uh, out in Phoenix, I did a story, a guy, old guy, he's 96 now maybe 95. He's still going strong. Name is Bill Johnston. He won twice on the tour in the late fifties. He's a course designer. And, uh, he said, uh, Gene Littler told him he always liked him to get paired with Arnold Palmer because then he had a backstop. If there was a back pin and you're paired with Arnie. You can go ahead and go for that back pin because it would hit a fan behind the green. Cause they're, <laughs> they're all following Arnie. Now, if you know, you and if Bill Johnson and Gene Littler are playing together, there's nobody behind the green. Right. If you're an Arnie's group. You could you could play it off the fans and go for the hook for the rebound. So <laughs> there's always a little something there, but yeah, it's an, it's it's interesting. What an interesting experiment! It kind of, it almost reminds me of that one. Remember that one NFL game where the NBC tried to do it without any announcers and they just used graphics or silence. Right. That didn't. That was a big dud. But uh, this was like golf without fans, without gallery ropes, without grandstands. It's interesting. Uh, it's going to be, I think the Masters is where it's really going to hit home. Yeah, pretty much. We're going to go without fans, and I think we are. I mean, as far as we're, that's where they're headed right now, and you're going to miss those roars. But Well, I did talk to, we'll see. Here, I did talk to Trip Bowden the other day to talk about his new book. He was on the show, and I asked him about, he said, I can get you all the tickets for this November to the Masters you want. Yeah, <laughs> he said, "Just come on down. We'll sneak you in the back gate." But uh, there's all. Kinds. I mean, even the, even media are having a tough time. I don't even know if I'm going to get credential because they're going to limit it so much. And uh, you know, I'm a smaller outlet now. And even though normally I'm the past president of the Golf Rights Association, normally any past president you you get a media credential automatically. Sure. Well, I'm guessing that's going to be out the window. The only problem with this is if you if you cover forty masters in your lifetime, 
you get a special honor. They put your name on a plaque in the media center. Your name, you're in, you're in a, you're in the, your name goes in the media in a press guide, media guide, which is kind of a big deal. And uh, you know, I if I go in November and I go in April, that's thirty nine and forty for me. Well, so there... if I get blocked from going in November, now I'm like, now you're going to drag this out another year, right? And there's number. It's funny. There's like six or eight guys who are all like thirty eight or thirty nine right now. Then after us, nobody's ever going to get there again. But um, yeah, it's going to impact us on that. But we'll, we'll see. The Masters without fans, uh, although I'm sure, you know, CBS has been piping in chirping birds with the Augusta for years. I don't know if I've ever seen a bird in Augusta in my 38 Masters. Really? I don't remember. Yeah. Something. Because, you know, with all the fans and all the food spilled, you know, you would think most places birds would be swooping in to pick up crumbs like they are at every other tournament. Sure. I never, I don't remember seeing birds at Augusta. And yet somehow they're chirping so loud, they're on every shot at Augusta. <laughs> and CBS, you may recall, CBS got called out that a few years ago. It's probably eight or ten years ago. For some bird watcher noticed uh Hey, that bird noise, that's a, that's a, you know, some kind of exotic bird. That's only in the Northwest. That's not in the Southeast. That That's fake bird noise. And that's when CBS had to own up that, yeah, that's not real noise. We, that's, that's pre-recorded. We had that. I was just wondering. So if- they got caught with fake bird chirping. And uh, so they still have fake bird chirping, but now they've got authentic, authentic area birds chirping on tape and not the real birds because I don't see birds out there. You ever see birds walking across the green at Augusta? No. Every other tournament you do, but you're not at Augusta. So where'd all the birds go? They kill them? Are they in prison? What, well, what did they do? How'd they get rid of them? <laughs> well, it's like do they fun. have automatic, do they shoot them down with lasers? What do they do? Uh, you know, if you watch some, if you watch highlights of like the 1960 masters or anywhere in the sixties, you look at the bunkers, they were still shaggy grass around the bunkers. And it was not perfectly kept. And there were shaggy stuff around Ray's Creek on 12, 13. And, uh, you know, now it's like, now it's like a, you know, a canal through LA. It's perfectly formed and uh, everything's artificial. Yeah. You know, but it, it's perfect, but it doesn't, it doesn't look as real as it used to look. Yeah. We're going to take, and I'm a- not saying it's a bad thing, but it's ama- It's an amazing, amazing place. You're right. You, you can, you could eat off the teas. Let's put it that way. Well, maybe we will someday. Uh, we're going to take a break. We're going to be back with Gary Van Sickle right after this on Grilling at the Green. Hey, it's JT, and this part of Grilling at the Green is brought to you in part by Ben Hogan Golf. Check them out online at benhogangolf.com. Welcome back to Grilling at the Green. I'm JT. We've got Gary Van Sickle with us today. We'd like to thank the folks at Painted Hills Natural Beef, Beef the Way Nature Intended. Also, Ben Hogan Golf Tour Quality Clubs at Factory Direct Prices. BenHoganGolf.com. Check them out. I'm playing with my Hogans this week, so I like them. Um, Gary and I have been talking about all kinds of things. Uh, We've got media's infatuation with Tiger. I like to watch Tiger play. Last couple outings, he hasn't played so well. 
he's not, and you can say, well, he's not playing the way he did, you know, at the turn of the century and this and that and blah, blah, blah. Not every golfer, including Tiger, you know, has uh, a continuing run. Dustin Johnson is probably the closest one right now to to everything. And, you know, we've had some other ones, Justin, uh, Justin Thomas and Morikawa and some of those guys. But Justin Johnson, what's he won for this year? I think. Yeah, three or four. Well, it depends on, you know, this year or this season. This so season, yeah. This season now, so, you know, he hasn't won any in the new season. He's in a terrible slump. Yeah, when what well, we've had what four? It's been, it's been two or three weeks. He hasn't won anything, so he's in a big slump. <laughs> yeah, if that's what Tiger. That's what would be saying. Yeah, I didn't won in three weeks. He's 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 all, he's he's done. Yeah, well, well I, you know, I look. I think back to 2019. Tiger wins the Masters, and the rest of the year he looks terrible. You could I could tell at Pebble Beach or at uh, he didn't look right at Beth Page that year, and he said later he was sick. But at Pebble Beach, you could tell like something was wrong, and then turned to find out. You know, we find out later that uh, yeah, his knee was bad, and he had another surgical procedure on it, and he comes back and wins the new Zozo Championship in Japan. Right. So anytime Tiger looks crummy, you always have to wonder, well, what body part has you know failed him now? But he does not this year when we've seen him, despite all this time off. He has not looked like anybody who's got the game to win a, another PGA tournament and get past Sam Snead in the record book. Right. So that's been a little disappointing, you know, I'm sure for him, but for everybody who was, you know, after he wins, he, he won over the last fall, and you're thinking, well, God, he's, he's going to come back. He looked great. He's going to come back. When he looked good in that TV exhibition thing at Medalist, he drove it on a string, and he hasn't looked anything like that in, uh, in the few events he's played. So, he- uh, is that is that how it is from now on? Is he just not playing quite as well, or is something wrong with his back? I mean, honestly, I feel like he's we're all on borrowed time with him. I, I feel like he knows what it's like to be uh, immobilized with a bad back and the quality of life he had, and he said how blessed he is to come back. Well, man, I'd be careful of that. You know, do you want to enjoy your life, or you don't have to prove anything in golf. You you you've done it all. You don't have to come back and win three more things and you know maybe he needs the sponsor money but i'm sure he can find another way to replace that money you know i'd be i'd want to make sure my i'm going to be able to bend over when i'm 65 right i always worry that maybe he ought to hang it up from golf now and not not risk blowing out his back again but so i I don't know what the answer we tiger never gets us information that we can count on about his body so i don't know where he stands but yeah, I think a lot of us thought he was going to come out and play well this year, and uh, it's not that he's not playing well. He looks like like he's not able not able to swing that well and to play well enough to compete. I also I don't, I don't know, and you know, and he's forty four. You know, how many guys? How many you can count on two hands the number of players who've putted well into their through their forties? Right, they're not many. Hale Irwin and Crenshaw and Lauren Roberts and Faxon and Steve Stricker and a few others, but. There have not been many, you know. Phil Mickelson is another one who has not made, you know, he's still still playing, but his his putter is comes and goes. So I'm just uh, wondering there's a lot of reasons for his decline. Yeah, I'm just wondering if he when he came out and played and you know, he didn't make the cut. Well, he made one cut and then he hasn't made a couple of cuts type thing, but I'm just wondering if he was like, Okay, I'm gonna play because they you know, I feel like I need to be there. You got another major, a couple of them coming up. You're going to do this, blah, blah, blah. But I'm sometimes I just wonder 
and I've never met him. You've talked to him. I haven't, but I'm like, if he's just going to go, I'm just going to come play. And I've kind of written off the rest of this year because I'm enjoying the time with my kids. Um, you know, I got a couple new TV contracts I'm working on, whatever the reasons. And I'm just wondering if he just like, didn't pull back a little himself to try to maybe protect that back and try to give it one more run next year and then say, I'm out of here. I I'm just, it's just a theory. Well, if he was going to make a run, the time to make a run would have been right now. Yeah. Because you've got a U.S. open in September, a master's in November, and then you've got, you know, in April, April, May, June, and July, you got four or more majors. So we're right in that zone where he should be in prime position. Again, you just, you just don't know. He's a guy who always needed a lot of reps. And if you read the book that Jaime Diaz did with Pankini, the big miss with the great, right. great historical document, really the only thing that has got an outsider's view of Tiger because his own book is, you know, propaganda a lot of the times. And Tiger was a range rat like everybody else. He needed all those reps. He was just as insecure about a swing as everybody else was. I don't have it, but it can't give me something. Anybody, you know, and uh, that was pretty revealing. So physically, Tiger obviously can't practice probably one tenth as much as he used to. He sure. can't do can't do any of the running or the weights and all the, all that stuff he used to do. He can't do near near, near as much stuff. So yeah. you wonder if that hasn't translated to him being less effective. And more importantly, that's a you know, that's a mental confidence thing. When you, when you know you've been out practicing and doing stuff the other guys weren't doing, it gives you a mental edge. Right. And, you know, you can try that sometime if you can do it. If you go out and practice seven days a week and spend three hours putting, you know, after a week, you feel, you know, you, you feel pretty confident. And uh, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't look confident in the golf course. But, again, that could be because he knows his back is no good and he can't swing like he used to. And Yeah. He's, he's having to fake it to force it to just to hit it 310 yards like these other guys, but he doesn't really, you know, doesn't really have the club head speed to do it anymore. So there's so many factors we don't know, but it's been disappointing to watch him because he doesn't look physically like somebody who's going to be able to hang with Bryson DeChambeau or Dustin Johnson or, uh, you know, this about or Matthew Wolf or any of these guys. Right. He, he looks like, uh, you know, he's, he'd be ready for the senior tour, frankly. I was going to ask. Do you could think, change if, he get, if he feels better, it could change. Do you think he'll play the senior tour? No, I, I don't see him. I don't see his back being good enough in six years, and there's nothing there for him. Uh, the money, there's no money. The money is no good. There's nobody, you know, those, a lot of those guys on that tour, you know, not, not too many. And they're not getting a lot of money from, their, from the club companies. Right. You know, they're, they, they're, the senior tour had has a pretty lousy TV exposure. So as a result, the equipment makers and the sponsors, they're not throwing money at those guys like they do at the regular tour. Right. And that's one reason Phil and all these and Kenny Perry and all these other guys go kicking and screaming to the senior tour because the money for them is a lot less. And you're going, Well, yeah, but they don't need the money. It's like, Yeah, they don't need the money, but show me somebody who doesn't like more money. Yeah. So uh that that's one reason, but no, I, I, there's no, what, what tournament out there means anything to him? He's senior U S open. You think that means anything? Senior PGA. I mean, here's a guy who played for history. He was chasing Jack Nicholas. He, Jack, he's not counting how many times he won colonial or, you know, the quad cities open or the John Deere classic. Right. He counted how many majors he won. And if it's not a major, it doesn't count. So I don't think, 
And I don't you think Phil Mickelson's going to play here much? You know, if he does, he's, he's he's still trying to hang on and win a couple PGA Tour events. He's going to – he doesn't have time in the schedule to go out and play the senior thing for a, a third of the purse and, and no, you know, no acclaim. I mean, it's, the guys get to a point where when they don't win on the tour, you know, what's fun is competing and contending. And if Phil, you know, he, he won on his debut, that's that was fun. Uh, if he's missing cuts and not contending on the PGA Tour, that's not a lot of fun. And he might get a bigger thrill out of contending, you know, like we've watched Jerry Kelly and Steve Stricker and some of these other Scott McCarron is back and Bernhard Langer. What's more fun than winning and, and having a chance to win? Nothing. Right. So uh, they miss the, they miss the applause, but mainly they miss the thrill of trying to win. And at some point when you realize you can't win on the PGA tour, then you go to the senior tour. But in the case of these bigger stars, they wait till they're 55 and now their windows kind of shut. Now, Guys in the senior two are pretty. Some of them are pretty good too. And you're 55. It's hard to beat the guy who's 50 who just turned up. So I don't think Phil's going to play much. I, I would expect him to. With this dislike of the USGA, I would be surprised if he ever plays the senior U.S. Open, unless he decides that's the only way he's going to win an Open, in which case he will. But I, I, I look for him to have a convenient excuse every year, the week of the senior Open, that oh yeah, I can't go because the kid's going to do this and our vacation and. I don't see him playing that one, but I don't. I don't think Tiger will. I don't think his back will be uh, fit for tournament golf in six years. But probably not. I would love to be wrong about that, but I don't. And even if it is okay, I don't see if he if he can still play decent, he'll he'll still be chasing Jack. He's not chasing the senior PGA. Right. We're going to take another break. We're going to be back with Gary Van Sickle right after this. Hi, everybody. It's JT, and this is a special version of Grilling at the Green. Grilling at the Green is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef. Beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Welcome back to Grilling at the Green. I'm JT. We've got Gary Van Sickle with us. And, you know, we were talking about Phil and Tiger and all that. I think the uh, from a media perspective, we've just got a few minutes here before we wrap this and go into after hours. But from a media perspective, I also think that the the television media for golf is a bit at a crossroads myself. Um, you've got Golf Channel moving up to Connecticut away from Florida. Um I understand the corporate reasoning behind that. My personal view is I think it's a bad move, but nobody asked me because I don't work for them. And um, then you've got some other people, like you were saying, Azinger's on. I like Azinger. He's got, he's got a sharp wit about him. He does that. Um, the CBS guys, you know, they've gotten rid of, um, you know, McCord and Costas. Um, you know, think of that what you will. But I, I think the media coverage, uh, like I said, on television is, is at a bit of a crossroads because after a while, you know, well, they let uh, Davis Love the third. I mean, he only stuck around for a couple of months and then he was gone. So what are your thoughts on that? Well, CBS really missed McCord and Costas, and that was apparent immediately. They, uh, they were kind of a low-energy broadcast anyways and now they are just stultifyingly dull so uh, faldo's not the not the guy to help them out they miss parody too right he uh they tried bringing in some new voices and it's a little better but it's not very interesting and you know as a 
as a golf watcher on TV, inside golf information is great up to a point, but I don't need to, I don't care if, you know, uh, I don't care if Daniel Berger is switch shaft in his driver from a double X flex to a Kawasaki 394. And I, you know, honestly, even, even reading the putts, you know, this putt's going to break a, a little left early on, but it's downhill. You know, I'm, I think this might try to get back to the right. Yeah, I think so too, Roger. You know, I think, I don't care. I don't care. I'm just, I don't care that much about the break of the putt. Right. I need to know, like, this is a really hard putt. The good chance it's going to run past the hole. I'm good with that. I don't need to know, oh, you great read on, I don't care what the read is. Just tell me if it's an easy putt to make or a hard putt or uh, it's going to break to the right some or a lot. I don't, does anybody care? Is anybody watching care what the break is? You know, just tell, give us some more general. You're giving us information that's not interesting. Oh, he's got a six iron. His guy's pretty good. But, you know, this could be a jumper, Jerry. You know, and these guys get so familiar with themselves, especially if you watch like a, you know, a corn fairy tour event. And they call, hey, uh, hey, Joe, Joe, you know, they got nicknames for each other. And they have Ellie, you know, they're like, what's his life, Brownie? Oh, wow. You know, <laughs> I don't, uh, it's not appealing to me. Where's the entertainment value? Right. You know, and I like golf. I like to watch golf. I'm a golf insider, in, you know, sort of, in, in a, you know. Right. Let's not go there. But I, I don't care about this stuff. Tell me something I should care about. Like, you know, I, I don't know what the answer is. I, I think everybody's searching for it. But uh, ABC had taught lightning in a bottle when they had Faldo and Azinger together in the booth. Because those two guys had a rivalry, and the reason they were so good in the booth is they were trying to top each other and outdo each other and look smarter. And if you've ever seen some of the majors a few years ago when the Golf Channel had, in the post-game show after a major round, they, they brought Colin Montgomery in. You know, and they got Brandel Chambly on there, just doing all this homework, and he'll say all these strong things. And Monty's on there, and he's got a big ego, and he didn't want Brandel to look better, you know, Brandel to look better than him. He was goaded into saying some really strong stuff because Brando was pushing him. Right. So I think maybe the answer is, you know, maybe somebody needs to come in. Maybe Azinger and somebody need to have a little contest, uh, you know, who's who's smarter, who's funnier, <laughs> or whatever. And uh, But, you know, Faldo, nobody's pushing Faldo. Uh, I'm told he doesn't do a lot of homework. He just shows up and he doesn't tell anecdotes. You know, if, if Nick Faldo was on TV and saying, Oh, this is a tough situation. It reminds me of when I came to the 17th hole at Muirfield in the Open in 1986, and I did this. You know, tell me a story, Nick. He never does that. Yeah, that would be interesting. He never. You know, Greg Norman's another guy who's not anecdotal at all. I knew when they Fox fired him. It's like he's not going to be good because Greg's full of opinions. He can't. You can't get a story out of him. I mean, he could never tell a joke. He's just not a storyteller. Yeah, Randall Chambly is a guy who can make going to the going to uh donut store and back. He can make that into a three minute story. That's hilarious. He's right. a natural storyteller. And he, he's been as he's in his, he's great on those post game shows. You know, he's the show. You never know what he's going to say. Right. But, and I, and I like to Jerry... needs more entertainment and I, you know, it's bringing the comedian or something, somebody with some humor needs to come in and lighten this up and, and broaden the appeal because it's too, it's too dull. And, we just, you know, does your viewer care about the lie? I mean, I don't know. 
We're going to pick this up in the after hours. We're out of time here in the regular show. Gary, thanks for being with us. Stick around because we're going to do the after hours, folks. We'll be back next week with another edition of Grilling at the Green and answer those questions that probably nobody ever asked, but we'll do it anyway. Till then, take care and go out and have some fun. Grilling at the Green is produced by JTSD Productions, LLC, in association with Salem Media Group, all rights reserved.